There's a lot to go over here, but instead of looking as most people do when, when they speak of end times and they think of the seven years of tribulation and then the battle of Armageddon and all the things that are going to come in the earth, we're looking at this from the life of the saints. And so we've talked about Jesus' death, his resurrection and his ascension. And uh, we've talked about the rapture now. We started uh, talking about that. Uh, finish that up on Wednesday night, the importance of the rapture. Why, if you are one of those that are remaining in the earth, you want to go up in the rapture. Some of the uh, qualifications, it seems, and conditions that the word might say are necessary to go in the rapture. But we do want to make sure we're going in the rapture. There are no redos. There are no second chances. And really, even in your earth life, once you're, once you're gone, uh, the decision that you made in the earth is what basically pans out for the rest of eternity. So we want to live ready. We want to be living prepared. And so today we're, we're right here now uh, where the rapture has taken place, the rapture of the church, which means the church age has now ended and we have now entered into heaven. Glory to God. In the moment that the saints enter into heaven, then the seven-year tribulation, the seven years in the earth actually begin. And during that seven years of tribulation in the earth, the church is actually, all of the church saints are actually in heaven. And there are some things that are going on. And so today I want to talk about heaven I'm going to talk about uh, some things about heaven. And then probably on Wednesday night, I'm going to talk about the eight events or the eight activities that are going on in heaven for those seven years that we are all participating in uh, while the seven-year tribulation is going on in the earth. Now, do remember that uh, you can catch the timeline and you can catch the scriptures for each service. If you go on the church app, Go to messages and find the appropriate message. And when you press on that message down at the bottom, you will see all of the scriptures. So you don't have to try to uh, catch them all today, write them all down. It's better that you listen and write down what really hits your heart. And then you can also see the timeline there. Praise the Lord. Uh, but I just want to thank, I just want to stop for a moment and thank the Lord for the opportunity to be born in this age that we're in. Hallelujah. You know, the Bible says in, in uh, Acts chapter 17, verse 26, that God actually pre-appoints the time of man. That each person, their, their time in the earth and the boundaries of their dwelling have actually been pre-appointed by God. Hallelujah. And I'm just super thankful. I'm just super thankful to have been born in this age. Hallelujah. Uh, as you'll see as we go on with the series here, what it is to be actually in the classification of what will be called a redeemed saint. Because later on in the years that are to come in the millennial, as people still continue to be born and other things go on in the earth, they will not have the opportunity to gain that status. And so it's just an extreme. Uh, I'm always very thankful. I'm thankful I didn't live in the Old Testament days. Uh, because I would not have been good with the killing of my animal. No, I, I, there's no telling what might have happened for me. I, I don't know that I could have done it. But just really to live in this dispensation after Jesus came, shed his blood, was ascended, poured out the Holy Spirit, that really we, can, we live in the best age of this earth life because we're lacking nothing other than that we're dealing still with our flesh. Hallelujah. And so it's just a privilege. And I'm always just excited uh, that we have the opportunity to choose Jesus now and represent and, and know that for eternity, uh, wonderful things are going to happen. We're actually going to live in the city with God when we come back to the earth. Not everybody will live in the city that is with God. And it's just very, very special. And so again, I just want to thank the Lord and thank the Lord for the opportunity to share with you some of these things about this. So, all right, are y'all ready? You can take that off the wall, please. Praise the Lord. So turn with me over to Revelation chapter 7. So now the rapture has taken place in glory to God. Hopefully we have all made heaven. Come on, there is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. Praise the Lord. And so the redeemed saints have made it to heaven. And for us, earth life as we know it is now over. Can I get an amen? Earth life as we know it is now over and all the blessings will come 
uh, as a redeemed saint. So let's look in Revelation chapter 7, verse 15 through 17. Just want to get a good start here of showing what it's going to be like for the redeemed saint, where in heaven it is only good, where in heaven it is forever, where in heaven there is no lack, <laughs> where in heaven we're fully satisfied. Glory to God. And listen, this about heaven is not just a spiritual concept. It is a reality that we will live in. Hallelujah. So Revelation chapter 7, verse 15 through 17, it says, Therefore they are before the throne of God, and they serve Him day and night in His temple. And he who sits on the throne will dwell among them, and they shall neither hunger any more nor thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any heat. For the Lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to living fountains of waters. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, we are entering a stage in heaven where there is no sorrow nor any sadness, where there not any sickness nor any pain, where there is not any suffering or any disappointment. It is good and it is only perfect and it is so exciting. Hallelujah. The Bible says this in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 4. It says, for laid up for us, there is an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled. It means it's perfect. And that does not fade away and it is reserved in heaven for you. And heaven is actually part of that inheritance. So heaven is our inheritance. And for those that choose the Lord and walk uprightly, now we have entered into heaven and there's a wonderful a mass group of people in heaven. And so this morning, I'm going to start out very briefly. I'm going to start out by just reminding you of everybody that is in heaven and a few more of the people who will join us in heaven before we talk about the realities of heaven. So now that the rapture of the church has taken place, who is in heaven? Of course, we know God, the Father, God Almighty is in heaven. We know the angels are in heaven. All of the angels, the classes of angels. We have the archangels. We have the four living creatures. We have the seraphim. We have the cherubim. I'm not going to talk about all those today, but I do have a series online called Angels on Assignment. If you need to know more about the angelic host and what their role is, then you can go find that and look at that. Uh, but Jesus, of course, is in heaven, seated at the right hand of God the Father. The righteous dead, those Old Testament people, uh, the ones that died that were righteous in God prior to Christ's uh, death and resurrection, they are in heaven. Then we know that because of the rapture, uh, those that die in the earth while after Jesus' resurrection before the rapture, those are called the dead in Christ. They are also in heaven. And of course, those who were alive in the earth and qualified for the rapture at the time of the rapture, they also are now all in heaven with glorified bodies. Praise the Lord. And so we are all living in a spiritual kingdom. Now, two men have been translated up to heaven previously. Okay. Now, since I'm not going to talk about all the things that go on in the earth, I have to just explain a few of these things here. One is Enoch, who you can read about in Genesis chapter 5, where it said that even as an Old Testament guy, he walked so closely with the Lord that the Lord just took him up to heaven. So he did not have a physical death in the earth. That's Enoch. And then the second one is Elijah who was also translated up to heaven. It says that he went up in a chariot of fire. You can see that in 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 1 and verses 11. Now, it looks like when they went up, they went up with natural earthly bodies. They did not get a glorified body yet. Now, my personal opinion, we know that in, in the time of... of uh, the, really, it's in the rapture. After the rapture, in the tribulation, we know that there are two witnesses, the Bible says, that come back to the earth. Uh, some people believe it's Moses and Elijah. I personally believe it's Enoch and Elijah. And that's because neither of them died a physical death in the earth. Okay, in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, does say that for every person, they are appointed to die once in the earth. So I believe that they're going to be the two witnesses who are sent back the tribulation is broken into two 
uh, three and a half year sections. And so at the three and a half year mark, the two witnesses are sent out of heaven back into the earth uh, and they will be the preachers of righteousness at that point and eventually die and all that goes on. Uh, so they are also in heaven. And then there will be other people that will be joining us in heaven before the second advent. So the second advent again is not the rapture where Christ meets us in the air, but is where Jesus physically returns to the earth with the army of God, puts his foot upon the natural earth and then works there to set up a, a heavenly earthly kingdom. In other words, the kingdom of heaven now will come into the earth. And these people that will join us will help complete what's called the first resurrection, which are all of the righteous saints. So let me tell you the three groups of people who join us. Number one is it's the 144,000 Jews. Uh, you can read about them, the remnant that is sealed in Revelation chapter seven, verses one through eight. They are saved in the first three and a half years, and then they are caught up at the mid trib point. They are caught up into the heaven as the man child. There will be 12,000 Jews of each of the 12 tribes and they will join us in heaven. Let's read about that in Revelation uh, chapter 12. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 12. Revelation chapter 12 and then we're going to go to Revelation 14. It says, she bore a male child who was to rule all nations with a rule of iron and her child was caught up to God and his throne. Then turn with me over to Revelation 14, verse one through four, verse one through five, excuse me. It says, then I looked up and behold a lamb standing on Mount Zion and with him 144,000 having his father's name written on their foreheads. And I heard a voice from heaven like the voice of many waters and like the voice of loud thunder. And I heard the sound of harpists playing their hearts. They sang as it were a new song before the throne, before the four living creatures and the elders. And no one could learn that song except the 144,000 who were redeemed from the earth. Those who are the ones who were not defiled with women for they are virgins. These are the ones who will follow the lamb wherever he goes. These were redeemed from among men, being first fruits to God and to the Lamb. And in their mouth there was found no deceit, for they are without fault before the throne of God. So they join us at the mid-tribulation, the three and a half year mark. They are actually raptured up, translated up with glorified bodies. Then category number two is there will be tribulation saints that will be saved during the rapture and after the rapture and during the tribulation. So let's read about them in Revelation chapter seven. Revelation chapter seven, we're gonna read verses nine through 14. It says, after these things I looked and behold a great multitude which no one could number of all nations, tribes, peoples and tongues standing before the throne and before the lamb clothed with white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice saying salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb and all the angels stood around the throne and the elders and the four living creatures and fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God saying, amen, blessing and glory and wisdom, thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever, amen. Then one of the elders answered saying to me, who are these arrayed in white robes and where did they come from? And I said to him, sir, you know. So he said to me, these are the ones who came out of the great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. So during the tribulation, when the wrath of God is being poured out, extreme persecution, uh, there will be those that will be saved and turn to the Lord. And of course they will be uh, at some point uh, raptured up and translated up. Let's look at uh, Revelation verse, uh, chapter 20, verse four. says, and I saw thrones and they sat on them and judgment was committed to them. Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded 
for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God who had not worshiped the beast or his image and who had not received his mark on their foreheads or on their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. So they do, those that are saved during the tribulation will come up and join us in heaven. Uh, Now the first martyrs, there are martyrs that happen in the first period uh, that are translated early. And then they're told to rest until the rest of them are killed. Uh, when vengeance will then be taken and they will all be raptured up in time for the marriage supper, which is toward the end of the seven years of, uh, of our reign in heaven and I, in order so that they can come back with Christ to the earth with us. Then lastly, who will again be entering into heaven after they have entered back into the earth, the two witnesses that I spoke of a moment ago uh, that have now uh, basically they have tormented the world with the message of Jesus. Let's read about that. Uh, Turn with me over to Revelation 11, verse 7 through 12. So they will eventually be killed. Their bodies will lay in the streets and then they will be resurrected and they will be raptured up. So let's read about that. Revelation 11, verse 7 through 12. When they finish their testimony, the beast that ascends out of the bottomless pit will make war against them, overcome them and kill them. And their dead bodies will lie in the street of the great city, which is spiritually called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. Then those from the people's tribes, tongues and nations will see their dead bodies three and a half days and not allow their dead bodies to be put into graves. And those who dwell on the earth will rejoice over them, making merry and send gifts to one another because these two prophets who tormented them who dwell on the earth. Now after the three and a half days, the breath of life from God entered back into them and they stood upon their feet and great fear fell on all those who saw them. And they heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them, come up here. And they ascended to heaven in a cloud and their enemies saw them. Hallelujah, I love this. It's just like the devil to rejoice too early. Just like the devil, he always thinks he wins and he never does. Come on, church. I said he never does. Hallelujah. Come on. We always get the victory. We always get the victory. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. So now all of us are in heaven. Let's talk briefly about, I know this question comes up. Uh, There are many things that are said about it. If you know anything about the end times and, and the one day salvation of the Jews and the things like that. So what has happened to the unsaved Jews Now, when I say Jews, I'm not talking about Jews that are just born of a national uh, heritage. I'm talking about those that are of the Jewish faith, which means they do not believe uh, as of now that Jesus is the Savior and the Lord. So what has happened to the unsaved Jews, those who are without salvation through Christ, that died through the church age or died during the tribulation. And I need to tell you that just like anybody else that did not die in the earth, having received Jesus as their savior, they have gone to hell and they will be in hell for eternity. There is no special holding place for the Jews. There's no special holding tank. There's nothing where they meet in a separate place and have another chance or anything else that happens with the second Advent. And so we need to know that. And that is why today when we meet Jewish people, I'm talking about people of the Jewish faith that do not believe that Jesus is the Messiah. The message to them is to believe on the Lord Jesus. Because whoever departs in this age or in the tribulation without him will be in hell forever. And so the term, all of the Jews, the the one day event where it says the Jews will see him and be saved. It is only the Jews that are in the earth on that day. And it is tied to the second advent. Okay, so we need to understand that and know that. Praise the Lord. Okay, so now we are in heaven. Let's talk about heaven, the reality of it. So good, so perfect. It is literally paradise. Everybody say paradise. Glory to God. Paul described it as this way, that things of heaven, not even lawful to utter. 
It's so glorious, so beautiful, so beyond uh, things which people would not even believe if they heard. You know, we are still somewhat limited by our, our earth mind, but heaven is exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think. It is joy unpeaceable. It is perfect peace without end. It is immeasurable. It is indescribable. Psalm 19 verse one says that the heavens declare the glory of our God. Hallelujah. So when we think of heaven, we cannot think in terms of the earth. The power of heavenly life far transcends all earthly life. And we're going to see in a moment where we look at a few of just the visions that the Old Testament prophets had, uh, where it's just like, wow, it's just heaven is just beyond. Everybody say beyond. beyond. And uh, I, in my opinion, you know, there's not really a lot that tries to describe heaven. And I think it's because it's hard for us to grasp and hard for us to really conceptualize um, but I will say this, if we got too close to heaven and, and saw heaven in all of its beauty, the problem is we would probably not want to be here. And so I personally believe that, you know, you have faith to live, but you also need to have faith to depart. And so I believe you can, you can know when your time is up, you can use your faith to depart, but we don't want people getting such glimpses of heaven and seeing how wonderful it is and just thinking, I don't want to be here anymore and do this. Because right here now, we all have work, assignments, jobs, responsibilities. Jesus is counting on us. God is counting on us. And so nobody gets to depart early. All right? We all got to fill our place, know what we're called to do, and stay, stay in that. And I believe that that may be partly why we don't see a lot of, of heaven as it really is. But, you know, you can. There are times God does give us an imagination. And that can be God-given and it can be God-directed and God-guided. And so there are times that you need to meditate on the glory of heaven. Just try to, in your heart with the Holy Ghost, sense what heaven is like. Think upon the beauty of it, how it really is paradise. So that one day when it comes time for you to get ready to depart, if Jesus tarries, then you won't have such a hard decision in leaving this earth life. Because we are just passing through and earth life pales in comparison to what it is going to be like in heaven. And it will also help you in the reality of knowing where your loved ones, when they go and depart in Christ, how wonderful uh, it really is for them. So it's good to think upon heaven and the glory of heaven. Uh, in heaven, there is everything that is perfect life. So everything that is God, the nature of God, the character of God, everything that would describe God like goodness, every, everything that would describe God like uh, peace and joy, all of that will be the description of heaven. Of course, again, perfect life in heaven. Things don't die. Things are eternal. Things last forever. The flowers don't die. Nothing dies in heaven. There is no withering. There is no diminishing. Everything is in the fullness and the vibrancy of being alive in uh, God. And it's just wonderful. In heaven, of course, if we know that heaven is going to be like God, uh, we know that in heaven it's perfect love. Love is everywhere. Love reigns. There's no hate. There's no madness. There's no, um, there's no competition. There's no jealousy. There's no strife. There's no envy. Praise the Lord. There's only love and it's perfect love, the love of God. So let me answer a couple of questions about love because, you know, in the earth life, we, we know what love is and we're trying to live from the love of God, but we also have earthly love all attached and working in and out of things. So the question always comes up, uh, will there be husband and wife in heaven? And so turn with me over to Matthew chapter 22. And the answer to that is no. So for those of you that are looking for the great escape, anybody looking for the great escape, this is the only escape you get is when you get in heaven. It's the only allowable escape. Matthew 22, verse 29 through 30, it says, Jesus answered and said to them, you are mistaken, not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God. Look at that. 
So I always tell people on the earth, there are two things we do not want to be mistaken about. And that is the scripture and the power of God. We must know the scripture and the Holy Spirit. We must know the truth of the scriptures and the power that comes from God. And then in verse 30, it says, For in the resurrection, they shall neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels of God in heaven. So when it says now, like angels, it doesn't mean that we become angels. We've already discussed this. It means that we will be like angels and that we are each independent in our standalone. Angels are not, they're not uh, married. They don't work together. They work together as a group, but not as a couple. And so you just need to understand in heaven that there will be no marriage. And for those of you that are not looking for the great escape, uh, that's okay because I want to tell you that, uh, first of all, the reason, one of the reasons that there's no need for marriage is that marriage was created in the earth to procreate. There was a purpose that man wouldn't be alone. So he made a companion and then that they would procreate and populate the earth so that God could have a family. Hallelujah. But now God already has a family. Praise the Lord. Uh, but number two, because there is perfect love in heaven, everyone loves everyone the same. And some people like this and some people don't. And I'll just be honest. My mother did not like this. And she would get very upset with me when I would say to think that I was going to love somebody like I love her as my mother. It just really she didn't like it. But you were not going to have a special love for your spouse or your parents or your children. Now you're going to know them and you're going to, you're going to recognize in the earth that you did things together. But there is no, remember in heaven, the Bible says that when we see him, we'll be made like him. And who does God love? He loves everybody. And he loves all people equal and he loves all people the same. Hallelujah. And so that's why I'm always telling people that they think they're going to be excited to get to heaven to see so-and-so. And they will be excited, but they'll be going to be excited to see everybody because we love all people equal. And I just, I love that. I think it's, it's, it's just a wonderful thing. And it always helps me uh, aim my love walk in the earth. And this is why it talks about, you know, us not preferring uh, people one above the other is that we're to love everyone and to give everyone equal status. There are no people that are better than others. People don't get preferential treatment. Now we have responsibilities in the earth to take care of certain people. Like as a parent, you have responsibility to take care of your child in a different way than you would take care of someone else's child. But technically we are to love all people, hallelujah. And then number three, uh, talking about uh, this, is that I want you to know that there are animals in heaven, but probably not your pets. But for everybody that just went all, you are not going to care. That is an earthly attachment that you have to your pet. And when you get in heaven, you're not even gonna be thinking about your pets. You're going to be loving God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and everybody that is around you so much and so fully that we're not going to be thinking that Fifi did not make it <laughs> to heaven. <laughs> and, and partly that is because dogs are not made in the God class or cats. Cats definitely... Okay. You know, my opinion is that the cat's got a double portion of the curse because those are the craziest, those are the craziest pets around. Amen. But dog, nor cat, nor squirrel, nor bunny, nor, nor bird, even though they can talk to you, are made in the image and in the classification of God. So it means they do not have a spirit. Okay. They do have a soul, it seems, where they can think, they have emotions, they can be happy, they can be sad, okay? but they are not a spirit. And so only those that are in the God class live for eternity in that capacity. And of course, the created uh, beings of God, which are the angels. 
Okay, so there's, there's nothing to determine like with a pet. I mean, you may love your pet, but sometimes your pet can be a mean pet, even if you love you. I've, I had a church member's pet try to bite me one time and praise the Lord, but they loved that pet. So I had to love that pet. But, I, but if I was looking at it, it wouldn't have made heaven. But there is no way to determine what pet would be good and go to heaven and what pet would be not. So we just have to be real honest about this and love them a lot while we have them in the earth. But, but once they're gone, there are animals, though, we, we can see in the, in the heavens. Let's read about it just so you see there is an animal in, in heaven. There are animals. Revelation 19, verse 11 says, Now I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on him was called faithful and true and righteous, and he judges and makes war. And we see, uh, you can go throughout the scriptures there in, in Revelation and see there are red horses, black horses, white horses. And then there are birds in heaven. We see that in verse 17. I saw an angel standing in the sun and cried out with a loud voice, saying to all the birds that fly in the midst of heaven, come and gather together for the supper of the great God. So apparently while we're having supper, there are birds in heaven. But uh, as I study out the scriptures and see the animals, they are purposeful. They have a purpose. And to remember, we are in the God class. And at this point, everything will serve us. So the purposes of the horses and the birds are to serve God and us and what we're uh, doing and accomplishing. Um, and it's really the same way with the angels, by the way, who uh, will become subject to us. The Bible says at one point that we actually judge the angels. And so we have to recognize that this status of being in the God class and then a redeemed saint is, is supersedes everything else. Hallelujah. Also, there is a fallacy that we will be up in the sky in heaven uh, just forever and that all heaven is is, wor uh, is worship. There is a lot of worship because worship is not an event. Worship is a condition of our heart. And so there is worship and there's a lot of worship and there are times when we are together. It seems there are corporate times of worship in heaven. I know that there will be individual times when we're in worship to the Lord, but it's not like what we would call in the earth a, a praise and worship set only. And so that's certainly not the only thing that we're doing, which is what I'm going to show you on Wednesday night about all the other activities and things that are going on in heaven. And we do have to change our mindset about the word work because we will be working in heaven. Uh, God created us when he created Adam and Eve. He created them with a purpose. He put them in the garden and then they had a job and it was to tend to the earth. And so um, we will always be working. We will always be productive. We will always have assignments. We will be ruling and reigning over people with assignments. We'll be, we, we will be working. And so we need to um, get out of the earth idea that work is hard and bad. And I can't wait till I retire. Because even when you retire, you need to be productive with something. And so there will always be work. But what will be different is that now we work according to the curse, uh, which is by the sweat of our brow, which is very laborious and hard. And so the curse will be, of course, redeemed. There will be no curse in heaven. And then when we come back, uh, the curse will be lifted. And so work will be different. We will be working really in the fullness of life like we should be today, doing it as unto the Lord with great strength and great joy and great delight, great productivity. Hallelujah. So let's talk about heaven again. Um, painting the picture of heaven, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. But it is written, I has not seen, nor has ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. And so I want you to know that God has already prepared heaven for us. As part of the things that he has prepared for us, we know John 14, verse 2 and 3 says that Jesus said, I go before you to prepare a place that is for you. Uh, turn with me over to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I mentioned this a minute ago, but I want to I read it again. Heaven is our great hope. Heaven is what we're working for. 
Heaven is our reward. And the Apostle Paul said this in 2 Corinthians 12, 1 through 4. He said, it is doubtless not profitable for me to boast. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know or whether out of the body I do not know, God knows such a one was caught up to the third heaven. That means he had a visitation in the heavenly place where God dwells. And I know such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows how he was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. And so sometimes the revelations of heaven come through just descriptions. They have to come through words. Sometimes they don't always come through pictures, although we'll see in a minute some did get glimpses and visions uh, of things that are in heaven, but it is as paradise. Uh, and I want to just encourage you to realize that even though we are not living in heaven at this moment, that heaven can still be real to us and that we can experience things of heaven. There are times uh, if we believe in visions, uh, if we believe in the voice of the Lord, uh, we should be open to those kind of things. And we certainly need to believe them. Uh, we need to believe in visions. We need to believe in uh, where people are actually translated and have visitations of heaven. We need to believe those kind of things because it's talked about in the scriptures. Uh, here we see it with Paul. We see it all throughout the scriptures, these heavenly encounters. And so although we don't pray for them and we don't ask God for them because God will give us what we need. But we do need to believe in them and we need to not discount them so that God does it so that we do have a, a good hope for what is to come and for the things that are uh, before us. And so Paul is just telling us, basically he was saying that he had had uh, an encounter where he had went up to heaven and, and had seen things and heard things. And I know myself, you know, I've had uh, I've been in heaven twice, not in the physical heaven. I've been before the throne twice. Um, and mine, mine happened with sounds. Uh, like one time I was before the heaven and uh, I, heard, uh, I heard the wings of the four living creatures and I felt the wind and the magnitude. Uh, it, was a, it was a sound that filled every fiber of my being. And still today, I can't describe it. There aren't words to articulate uh, the sound of what was going on in the heaven at that time. But what it did for me is it gave me, because visions and, and visitation things are always purposeful. And they're to help people. And sometimes it's to help those people have something to help someone else with. But it gave me a revelation of the magnitude of the, the power of the angelic host that they're really not. We know they're not little cupid babies floating around with, with arrows trying to shoot love things. And we know they're not dainty ladies with ribbons in their hair. You know, that's not what the angels look like, which we're fixing to read about. But it helped me just in the magnitude of understanding the power uh, of who they are. And so we need to understand that these things can be real. Uh, I would say for yourself, if you see things or hear things, you do need, do need to use discernment. You need to make sure that they're scriptural. You ought to probably run it by someone who is above you in the Lord, mature, seasoned in the things of God. And even as you're hearing from other people, you don't have to be the police and tell them that what they're seeing or hearing is not God. You don't need to do that. But in your heart, you do need to discern because not everything that's described is not God. And everything that's described or said or done uh, does not come from God. And so we do have to know that. But Paul talked about just indescribable things. So let's turn over to Ezekiel. And I want to give you one glimpse of something that Ezekiel saw of heaven. Ezekiel the prophet, an Old Testament prophet, did have a vision. He had several visions of God. And I want to read this to you so that you can see it in Ezekiel chapter 1. I'm going to read verse 1, and then I'm going to pick up in verse 4. 
It says, now it came to pass in the 13th year, in the fourth month, on the fifth day of the month, as I was among the captives by the river Chabar, and the heavens were opened, and I saw visions of God. So this is Ezekiel getting a vision of God. Then in verse four, then I looked and behold, a whirlwind was coming out of the north and a great cloud with raging fire engulfing itself and brightness was all around it and radiating out of its mist like the color of amber and out of the mist of the fire. Now already that right there is like a little bit beyond what our, what our head can even really visualize. Also from within it came the likeness of four living creatures, and this was their appearance. They had the likeness of a man. Each one had four faces, and each one had four wings. Their legs were caught, and the soles of their feet were like the soles of calves' feet. They sparkled like the color of burnished bronze. The hands of the man were under their wings on their four sides, and each of the four had faces and wings, and their wings touched each other, and the creatures did not turn when they went but each one went straight forward. And as for the likeness of their faces, each one had the face of a man. Each of the four had the face of a lion on the right side. Each of the four had the face of the ox on the left side. And each of the four had the face of an eagle. Thus were their faces. Their wings were stretched upward. Two wings of each one touched one another and two covered their bodies. And each one went straight forward and they went wherever the spirit wanted to go and they did not return when they went. As for the likeness of the living creatures, their appearance was like burning coals of fire, like the appearance of torches going and coming forth among the living creatures. The fire was bright, and out of the fire went lightning, and the living creatures ran back and forth in appearance like the flash of lightning. This is all happening before the throne. The four living creatures never leave the throne. They are ever at the throne. Verse 28, like the appearance of a rainbow in a cloud on a, rainy day, on a rainy day, so was the appearance of the brightness all around it. This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And so when I saw it, I fell on my face and I heard a voice of one speaking. Now, obviously, Ezekiel, Ezekiel got a glimpse of heaven and something that was going on in heaven and how heaven kind of looked, and he was able to articulate to the best of his ability by the Holy Spirit, and this is what we got. Hallelujah. Uh, but there are many things that are indescribable about heaven representing paradise. Number one, heaven is a land, there is a countryside, and there is a city. So you don't get to have a preference. In, in the earth, you might say you're a country person or you're a city person, but in heaven, you're going to love both because they're both there. There is brilliant light representing the glory of God. There is no shadow and no darkness at all in heaven. Let's look at that. Uh, James chapter one, I'm gonna read that. You don't have to turn there, but I won't for the sake of turning, turn to Revelation 21. But it says in James 1, 17, every good and every perfect gift is from above and comes from the father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. So in God, there is never a shadow. He never changes. He is always light. He is the father of light. And it says in Revelation 21, verse 23, that the city had no need of the sun or of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminates it, and the lamb is its light. Hallelujah. So in heaven, there is only light. No night, no need for the sun or the moon. In heaven, there is a river of life. Turn with me over to Psalm 46, verse four. There is a river of life. Everything in the river is life. Oh, we can go through it and see some of these. It's just wonderful. Psalm 46, 4, there is a river whose streams shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the most high. Then turn with me over to Revelation 22, 1. Of course, uh, the Apostle John saw this. And he showed me a pure river of the water of life, 
a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal. Wow. Proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There is a river in heaven of life. Also, there is the tree of life. Let's turn with me over. Revelation 22, verse 2. There is the tree of life. The tree has leaves. The tree has fruits. Amen. We partake of it. Amen. It sustains us. Amen. Hallelujah. Uh, Revelation 22, 2. In the middle of its street and on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore 12 fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And so we see in the middle, there is only, there's always only life. And everything in heaven only produces and sustains life. So we drink from the river of life. We eat from the tree of life. And I don't care what type of food you like in heaven. I want to tell you that when you, I don't care what type of bottled water, whether you're a Fiji, you know, drinker or, a, you know, you want the smart water or you have, literally, I go places and people are very specific about the water they want to drink. In heaven, praise the Lord. It's going to be the best water. It's pure water. It's going to give us every mineral, every, every nutrient, every, it's going to nourish us. We're not going to be wishing we had Coca-Cola. We're not going to be wishing, come on, we had Kool-Aid. We're not going to need any of that. It's going to be perfect. Same thing with heaven. You know, for us Texans, we know that one of those fruits is going to taste like barbecue. It's, it's a condition for Patrick going. He said it's got to taste like barbecue. But it's going gonna, it's gonna to be so wonderful. I think it's just like, if you could just taste the, if you could just remember what it was like to taste maybe the best thing that you think you've ever tasted or you've ever eaten. That's what, that's what all of that fruit that comes from the tree of life will be like. Hallelujah. Heaven will be filled with wonderful smells and colors and it's a city of gold. Wow, let's read about it. Let's turn over. Let's turn over to Revelation 21. Going to start in verse 15, and then I'm going to pick up in verse 18. For all of us that love jewels, this is going to be the best place to be. Praise the Lord. And you can have every jewel that you ever wanted, and as many of them, in whatever way, shape, form you want. You can wear them on your head. We are in our crown. You can wear them out here. You can wear any, just anywhere. Revelation 21, 15. And he who talked with me had a gold reed to measure the city, its gates and its wall. Verse 18. And the construction of the wall was of jasper and the city was pure gold like clear glass. Wow. Streets made of gold. The city made of gold. The most beautiful place that you've ever been and can think of in building and structures is going to pale in comparison. It's going to pale in comparison. The, the pictures you see with the, the beautiful places and all of the, the, the trimmings and the wow are going to pale in comparison. The foundations of the wall of the sea were adorned with all kinds of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper, then sapphire, and it just goes on. Emeralds, all these, all these stones, topazes, it goes on and on. Amethyst, the 12 gates were the 12 pearls. The gates are made of pearls. Hallelujah. But this describes the, the street of the city was pure gold and like transparent glass. Hallelujah. It's a glorious place. Isaiah got a glimpse of heaven. Let's see about that in Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6 verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. It's apparent from the scripture when you study it out that the throne is very high, it's lifted up. And I know from the time I was in a heaven, the throne was behind me. It's like the Lord wouldn't let me, he wouldn't let me look at the throne because he was trying to show me something that was going on with us, the saints that were before the throne. But I could sense with the throne being behind me that it was, it was visible for, from everywhere. It was like any place you stand in heaven, 
you will see the throne. It is seen from every direction. It is seen by all with the 24 elders seated around it with crowns of gold and with the angels, the four living creatures. Let's read about that in Revelation 4. Starting in verse 2. Immediately I was in the spirit and behold, a throne set in heaven and one on the throne. And he who was there and he who sat there was like a jasper and a sardius stone in appearance. And it was a rainbow around the throne. And in the appearance was like an emerald. Around the throne were 24 thrones. And on the thrones I saw 24 elders seating. sitting. Now those 24 elders, those are uh, the 12 apostles of the Lamb and the 12 tribes of uh, Israel. So they were clothed in white robes and they had crowns of gold on their heads and from the throne proceeded lightnings, thunderings and voices. Seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. You can read about those in Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2. And before the throne, there was a sea of glass like crystal. And in the midst of the throne and around the throne, there were four living creatures full of eyes in front and back. The, the living creatures... Uh, we're like lying. I'm not going to go through that part there. Um, skip down. It says, and they did not rest day or night saying, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. So that's what the four living creatures are declaring around the throne. But we can see that the throne is just, it's beyond really our human grasp uh, of everything that is magnificent and brilliant and everything that is like the Lord. Hallelujah. Uh, in heaven, there is a book of life. There's a river of life. There's a tree of life. And now there is a book of life. Let's read about that in Luke chapter 10, verse 20. Jesus was talking to his disciples and he said, Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Glory to God. The names are written in heaven. Revelation 21 verse 27. But there shall by no means enter. This is speaking of heaven. But there shall by no means Enter it anything that defiles or causes abomination or a lie, but only those which are written in the Lamb's book of life. So who is participating in heaven are those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So your name is written in heaven. That means you're known in heaven. You're known by God. You're known by Jesus. You're known by the angels. You're known by the saints. Uh, we can see even, uh, even in the saints, the Bible says right now, there's such a great cloud of witnesses uh, in the heavenly place right now. And uh, I know in Brother Hagin's book, uh, I Believe in Visions, uh, he had an encounter and his sister in heaven. And actually, she actually knew some things that were going on in earth. So it seems like those that are in heaven right now have some knowledge of some things that are here in the earth. Although remember, there's no disappointment no discouragement. So they don't know anything bad, but they know about you. They know about whether you're on track, whether you're doing your, your assignments. They know some things. Then also we see, I uh, wanted to bring out a couple things uh, that Brother Jesse Duplantis brings out. Uh, he had an encounter where he went to heaven uh, and he, you can read about it in a book he has or a DVD. It's called Close Encounters of the God Kind. And it's a really good book. Uh, if you haven't read that or seen that, I encourage you to get it. Uh, he said that one day he was uh, out of town on a preaching assignment and he woke up uh, with something, uh, just sensing like something that was God. Praise the Lord. Okay. Hallelujah. Okay. Yeah, you know, sometimes when you wake up in the morning, um, you need to be a little bit sensitive to God. God should be your first thought, your first waking moment. Because things can happen for you in the morning. Because sometimes it's something that can sense your day. Uh, just the Lord paused me and wants me to tell this story. I'm not real sure why, but I'm going to obey. And so one time I was in a country and uh, 
I had a morning meeting that meeting, and I was going to get up. <clears throat> I'd been doing a lot of meetings. I was a little unsure that morning of what I was going to preach. And so I decided I would get up a little early and uh, spend some time with the Lord, try to decide what to minister on. And that morning when I woke up, instantly when I woke up in my bed, I, the first thing was I could sense something, just like something of the Lord before I could articulate, before I could sense, I knew that, that it's like Jesus was there or something of the Lord. And so as I just paused for a moment, uh, the peace of God came upon me. I'm talking about like I was laying in bed and it felt like, it felt like a blanket was rolled up from the bottom of my feet all the way up over on top of me. And it was a blanket of peace. And it was such tangible peace. I mean, there was no, there was no doubting what it was. It was the peace of God. And I, and, and I just yielded to it. I didn't try to figure out what, what, why the Lord didn't say anything. So I just laid there. I laid under that blanket of peace. I laid for as long as I could without thinking of anything. I wasn't trying to figure things out. I just knew that this was what I had was this moment of peace. And then the thought would come, you need to get up. Because you need to prepare for what you're going to preach. And I would direct my th thought and say, no, what I'm experiencing with God is more important than what my head is telling me I need to do. And so I just stayed under that peace until all of a sudden it lifted. Uh, and then it, I got up and then I, I mean, I was like, I was like quickly, it's like, I've got to, what am I going to preach? You know, and then the minute I thought that, the Lord gave me. He said, I want you to preach on authority. I didn't have to pray. I didn't have to. It just came instantly. So I, I got dressed. I went to the meeting that morning and um, got to the meeting. And I was about 10 minutes into preaching on the authority of God when an earthquake hit. And you know, the, the, I've never been in an earthquake. So... Like in the natural, I wouldn't have known. I wouldn't have known what it was. But like the, like the minute the vibration started, what came, what came upon me was that same peace and came a shout from me. You know, like when Jesus was in the boat and he shouted, peace be still. And I just shouted peace and I commanded the earthquake to stop. And it instantly stopped. I mean, everyone in the room was shocked. And I was like, what was that? And they were like, it was an earthquake. There were reports all over the city of devastation that went on. And we were on the second floor. Nothing, no damage, no nothing. And I recognized that had I not that morning, what might have happened had I not that morning just yielded. It was just the peace of God. What would have happened that morning? So it's important that when we wake up, we're, we're giving God time in these moments. I, I guess I'm saying that partly because Jesse's story is that he, he woke up one morning feeling something from the Lord, but he didn't know what, and the Lord didn't say anything. So he had a and he had a lunch appointment with the pastor. The pastor, he was trying to decide, should I go? Should I not go? I don't know what's going to go. I don't know. But he decided to go. He had made an appointment. So he went with the pastor. He was at lunch with the pastor. And he said all of a sudden while he was sitting there eating his food, he got this overwhelming scent that he needed to be in his um, hotel room. And he told the pastor, he said, I must leave. And I must leave right now. He didn't wait for his food to get finished. He didn't try to wait on the moment and say, I'll figure out what this means later, or I'll... He, he obeyed, just that slight leading to get back to his room. Well, what happened is when he, entered, when he opened his door and entered his room, he was instantly translated up to heaven. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I say that just to let you know that for all of us, God is working with us. Okay? And there are things at times that he wants to show you Things at times that he wants to do with you or do for you. And we can't be missing. Listen, we can't afford to be missing out on God moments. And so sometimes we let our head start thinking, well, I don't really, I don't really know 
further what to do or I don't know. You just have to go with what you know in the moment and you have to yield and you have to obey instantly. And, and that way we can capture everything that God has for us. But Jesse went to heaven and here are some of the things that he saw. Number one, he saw his mansion in heaven, which we know we're all getting mansions, right? John chapter 14, verse two and three, we're getting mansions. He said in his mansion, it was beautiful and everything he liked. He saw earthly things that were there and his mansion was filled with such. So all of the earthly things that you like, the, the most precious things to you, your mansion will be filled with that. Here's what I wanted to point out. He saw saints that were clothed in different garments. He said some were clothed in robes of righteousness and some were clothed in garments of salvation. Let's read about that, Isaiah 61. Isaiah 61, verse 10. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. Now this is Isaiah talking about in heaven and he's talking about garments of salvation and garments of uh, robes of righteousness. And so this is what Jesse saw, and this is what he said. He said that the clothing uh, differed due to their earth walk with the Lord. So people had different garments based upon how they walked in the earth with the Lord. And he said those who did not live as closely as they should have only had garments of salvation. And they were, he said, it seemed weaker. He said, every saint was on a journey into the city of heaven. So God does live in the city, by the way. <clears throat> but every journey was on a journey into the city in heaven where they would be uh, presented to God. He said, but preparation was required. Things that were necessary to know. Uh, before the presentation. And he said, those that only had on the garments of salvation, it took them longer to get to the city. This is why I keep saying, you're going to see when we get into this on a Wednesday night and we talk about the judgment seat and the rewards, why it is important. Our earth life really does matter. Uh, the, how we live, what we do, it really does matter. But there are white robes. Let's read about that. Revelation 4.4. 4. I'll read that real quickly. It says, around the throne were 24 thrones, and on the thrones I saw 24 elders sitting, clothed in white robes, and they had crowns of gold on their heads. Revelation 6, 11. Then a white robe was given to each of them, and it was said to them that they should... Now, this is to the martyrs that, that are uh, martyred during the tribulation that were then raptured up, that they should rest a little while longer until both the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who also will be killed as they were, were completed. So we see definitely that there are, there are robes. Um, let's look at, I think I'm gonna pass that today on that. Uh, Brother Jesse also saw that uh, the apostle Paul, he was teaching. He saw Jonah, he was teaching. I find that very interesting and in, in what I have seen pan out is that God is purposeful. Even our earth life is purposeful. Paul was a teacher in the earth. Uh, he was still teaching in heaven. And so I think that many of the things, the, the, the gifts, the graces, the abilities, because this is preparation, remember? Earth life is preparation for heaven. So many of the things that we're given here to do in the earth, we will also probably still be doing in the heaven and probably when we come back we'll be we will be doing that in some measure so again very important to perfect and to to prepare and work out what god be a good steward in this earth of what god is giving you uh there's one scene that you can check out in heaven uh you can read revelation chapter four and chapter five i love this this is talking about what seems to be a corporate worship time before the throne where all of the saints are gathered together, the singing. Why, I have heard the angelic host sing, and there is nothing. I mean, boy, we got a, we got a great team here of singers, but boy, when you hear the heavenly host sing, it's like something that's like indescribable. And so what it will be like to be all of the angels and the saints of God gathered around the throne. It even tells them songs of what we will be singing Songs of what we should be singing. I always say that we should be singing now. 
some of these songs, some of these phrases uh, that we will be, we will be singing uh, before the heavenly place. Hallelujah. Well, heaven is grand. Heaven is glorious. Heaven is wonderful. Everything is everything that you want and more. Heaven is everything that you can desire. There will be no lack, no, no disappointment. And so heaven is what we are aiming for. Glory to God. Thank you for joining Pastors Chaz and Joni today from Houston Faith Church. If you're looking for a good home church in Houston, Texas, we'd like to invite you to be our guest anytime. What you'll find is that Houston Faith Church is highly committed to the Word of God, the love of God, and the Spirit-filled life and ministry that Jesus expects. We know that everyone wants to make a difference in this life, and that the Great Commission of the Lord Jesus Christ is the main thing for all of us. You'll find your purpose here and grow strong in faith at Houston Faith Church. Find more faith-building resources on our YouTube channel or subscribe to our free audio podcast. You can also connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. See you soon.